0: Are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ryan Peacock back again on this Thursday episode. We will be getting uh, back into our conversation with Chris Wilson. Uh, He was my guest on Tuesday's show, and we went a little bit long, and instead of editing it all down, I I left all the wide nine stuff on that Tuesday episode, but we got into Jimmy Garoppolo and the offensive side of the ball a little bit, so finish that conversation with Chris Wilson on today's program and also talk— tight ends, preview the tight end position as we head toward a training camp just over a couple weeks away now. Obviously, we all know the greatness that was George Kittle in 2018. What can he do for an encore? And who else is on the roster at the position for the 49ers? Follow along with me on Twitter at BDPeacock. You can email the show LockedOn49ers at gmail, LockedOn49ers.com. You can find the streams there. You can find other articles like the wide nine pieces. It's a multi-part piece going up there at LockedOn49ers.com by Chris Wilson. And you can subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya Podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you like to download podcasts, you can find This show and all of the programs on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you have some friends, let them know about this show. And if they don't like the 49ers, let them know that their team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we talk about the tight ends and George Kittle and the 49ers, I do want to mention the supplemental NFL draft happened yesterday. And there was a draft pick. The Arizona Cardinals used their fifth round selection. If you don't know how the supplemental draft works, basically... Players that find out they're ineligible uh, before the season's going to start, they put their name in the hat for the supplemental draft, and if a team selects a player, they lose that draft pick in the following draft. You know, usually there's maybe one or two guys that get drafted. It was Jalen Thompson. He is a safety out of Washington State. He was selected by the 49ers NFC West rival Arizona Cardinals, who have added a ton of athleticism to their defensive backfield in the last couple years uh, this offseason. They've already added cornerback Byron Murphy at the top of the second round and fifth rounder Deontay Thompson out of Alabama, who was kind of a steal of a pick, uh, in my opinion, with his athleticism and his skill set. And now they add a second fifth rounder in Jalen Thompson, who is sort of a similar profile with maybe a little bit undersized, a little bit smaller, but speedy, athletic. Safety that can play in coverage. Uh, Thompson can maybe even do a little bit more man coverage type stuff, too. So intriguing group there to go with Buda Baker, who's already a super athletic, kind of do everything. Safety can line up in the slot. He can play in a deep half. And so uh, interesting group there in the defensive backfield that Arizona Cardinals are putting together to go with, of course, the veteran Patrick Peterson, who's suspended, by the way. A little uh, sneaky PED situation going on there with Patrick Peterson. And Thompson was the only player selected in the supplemental draft. Marcus Sims, wide receiver out of West Virginia, that some people thought might get selected late. He did not get taken, but he did sign with the Jacksonville Jaguars after the draft. And if you're asking why the 49ers didn't bid on an athletic free safety type in the supplemental draft, if all it cost was a fifth round pick, well, they might have bid a fifth rounder, but the Arizona Cardinals were higher. So if they both bid fifth rounders, Cardinals were rewarded with that pick instead of the 49ers, so it's possible that the 49ers also bid a fifth-round pick for Jalen Thompson's services, but he goes to the Arizona Cardinals. Let's talk 49ers. Let's talk tight ends, and I guess we got to start with George Kittle, a player who had 26% of the 49ers' passing targets last year, and he broke Rob Gronkowski's tight end yardage record, 88 receptions, 1,336 yards, 800-some-odd of those yards were after the catch, so he was a monster on those catch-and-run plays and had a lot of space dialed up for him in Kyle Shanahan's offense, and I would expect more of that to happen this year, but I would also expect, and I I think teams were definitely starting to focus on George Kittle in the middle of the field last year because why wouldn't they be? He was the only really legitimate threat in the passing game in that offense last year. And there should be a lot more this year, so it might make it even more difficult, but teams are going to have to focus on George Kittle and let the guys on the outside maybe be one-on-one a little bit more often. So maybe that will help the young guys and maybe hinder George Kittle's statistics. And you just can't... We talked about this on yesterday's show with Winkler. You just can't expect him to either match or surpass his record yardage from last year. And he could even do more from a catch perspective, but you know, just all those yards after the catch, it would be surprising if he was able to run wild again after the catch, like he did last year. Some things just really worked out in his favor on some of those plays and some bad tackling, by the way, and some really good running by George Kittle, who is a fast human being. It's kind of fun to watch a, a dude that I think, I think teams don't really expect it. You see George Kittle, 6'4, 250 pounds. You know, he ran a four five, two coming out of Iowa. I think some teams and some players, who have never played against him, probably don't realize how fast he is. And he's out running the angle, and they're thinking, what's going on? Why is this tight end running away from me? A de- defensive backs probably have never had that happen to them in their football career until George Kittle does it. So it's a really unique player the 49ers have in George Kittle. So what to expect going into year three for Kittle after his huge breakout sophomore season and if you look at most of the projection models who are looking at George Kittle's stats for this year, still a fantastic season. I'm seeing a lot of, you know, 76, 78, 79, 80 receptions. So maybe 10 fewer receptions and a couple hundred fewer yards, a thousand to eleven 1, hundred yards and you know, five or six touchdowns. He had five touchdowns last year. I think he can do better in the touchdown department, actually. And uh, those, you know, those red zone opportunities for the 49ers are going to have to get a lot better uh, for, if for that offense to get a lot better. It's going to be a huge factor and George Kittle, I think, would have to be a huge part of that. And even if the yards aren't quite there or maybe the the run after catch yards aren't quite where they were last year, he could make up some of that because 66 of his 88 receptions last year were within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. With Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback all season long, you would think he would have a few more opportunities down the field. uh, Someone that could get the ball deep down the seam to him potentially and uh, maybe make some bigger plays that way. Get more yardage, more air yardage before the catch rather than everything being after the catch. And then, of course, definitely could improve on those five touchdowns. So uh, there is still even some room for improvement, which sounds insane with the record breaking year that Kittle had in 2018. But that's still a fantastic season. 78 catches, 1,100 yards, and six touchdowns. That would be dynamite, and he would continue to be one of the top two or three, if not the number one, tight end in the NFL. And I think a lot of people are talking about Zach Ertz, who's not quite the blocker that George Kittle is, although he's a dynamic receiver. And, of course, Travis Kelsey has been doing it for a while. Those two guys... Still being ranked, I think, by most people, and if you're playing fantasy football and starting to do some early fantasy football drafts, as I am for the Scott Fish Bowl, which is Season 9 of the Scott Fish Bowl, which is an invitation fantasy football tournament that just continues to gain more and more people. I think there's 1,200 teams in it this year, and... He's the third tight end off the board, but he goes early in that league because tight ends uh, get a little extra juice. They get one and a half points per reception, so it really helps them out, especially the top guys. So he went in round two, and so he won't go that high in your fantasy football draft. But if he's there in round five for you, I recommend selecting George Kittle because he's going to have another monster year, I think, even if the ball gets spread around a little bit more to some of the other receivers. Okay, time for our first quick break here. A word from our sponsors and After that, let's get into the depth chart. Who else is on the roster for the 49ers at tight end? And then we'll hear from Chris Wilson in segment number three. Continue our conversation talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra something, that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's like blue the color blue and chew like you chew it, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. So George Kittle's a stud. We all know that. Who else is on the roster behind George Kittle on that depth chart? And if, God forbid, George Kittle was to get hurt and have an extended period of time where he was out of the lineup, who are the players that would fill in for him potentially, and, and what would that be? Uh, due to the offense. well, will probably put a huge ding in the offense, but uh, Garrett Selick still on the roster. I think there's a bit of a cloud over whether or not Garrett Selick might even be able to continue his career at this point because he has still yet to be cleared for, football activities and with training camp just a couple of weeks away. And he's another one of the players that are deemed up for the 49ers. Just about everyone is expected to be cleared for training camp, maybe a little bit more murky for Garrett Selleck, but they still think he will be cleared. And he had back surgery in the off season, which is what is hampering him right now. He's dealt with some injuries in his career. He had a concussion problem last year as well. So I think, uh, and it's just sort of a bookkeeping situation. I don't think the concussion protocol him is something to be worried about but it's just you can't be cleared from concussion protocol the way I understand it until you're cleared from your other injuries and you're ready to go for football activities aside from the concussion then they do the concussion protocol and clear him and then he'd be ready to play so I think it's just the back injury that's actually the worry at this point and he has some competition for the roster there are numerous players on the roster I think everyone knows what kind of a guy Garrett Selleck is well-liked I really enjoy the Select time thing because, you know, I like seeing players get the props that do a lot of the dirty work. He's been a very good blocker and he's been a, a good 49er for a long time and he doesn't get big stats. And when you're a block first tight end, you don't always get the accolades. So I love the Select time thing and I love seeing him get a little piece of the offense, even though he wasn't, you know, a huge piece of the offense last year. George Kittle catching five passes two of those for touchdowns 90 yards in those five catches averaging 18 per he did have that one big uh, catch and rumble that that really uh, skewed those statistics but uh this might be the year that and you know he stuck around for a long time as an undrafted player out of Michigan State and he's had a nice career 31 years old so we'll see if uh, the concussion looms for him or of course that off season back surgery Makes it difficult for him to make the team and uh, makes it difficult for him to get cleared. And I think the 49ers in the offseason signing Levine Toy Lolo. uh, Levine, I'm sorry, Levine Toy Lolo. I've been calling him Levine for so many years, it's hard for me to correct it because for some reason I never said his name properly. Levine Toy Lolo. Big old donkey, a large man, a big tight end out of Stanford, 6'8, 268 pounds. He profiles very similarly to Garrett Selleck. And of course, he played for Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. So I really think that Levine Toilolo signing for the 49ers was a direct reaction to Garrett Selleck not being ready. And they wanted to have a veteran presence, someone that could step in and basically do what Garrett Selleck has done for the 49ers. And I would imagine if Garrett Selleck is no longer on the 49ers, if maybe he gets cut or maybe he just never comes all the way back from his injuries, then Levine Tololo, sorry, Levine Toyolo would pretty much just plug right in and be that role, the number two tight end, the veteran, you know, block first sort of tight end that can catch the ball a little bit as well, and you know has, has a nice big body and a big frame to to maybe pull down a couple of uh, big receptions and maybe a couple of touchdowns over the course of the year. Even when you look at his statistics in 2016 with Kyle Shanahan. He was credited with 11 starts in 16 games but he only had 13 catches so he averaged just over one catch per start and I think that's just because they ran out there with you know big base personnel to run the football early in games and he was on the field for the first play of the game so he was the starter but he wasn't a big part of the offense and a big part of the passing game and uh, they did work in the rookie Austin Hooper that year for Atlanta they had uh Jacob Tammy as well. So uh, they had multiple guys that they filtered in and they obviously had Julio Jones and some other receiving weapons there. Muhammad Sanu, they didn't have to rely on the, the tight end position. They didn't have a big time tight end like the 49ers did. So, you know, the distribution is just much different for Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. But even without Garrett Selleck, I think Levine Toilolo would have some serious competition for a roster spot and for playing time. Namely from the sixth round... Rookie tight end also from Stanford in Caden Smith, who's a pretty big guy in his own right, 6'5", 260 pounds. Not a super athletic player, you know, a lot different than George Kittle. He ran a 4'9", 240, which I think is one of the reasons why he fell all the way to pick 176, where the 49ers snatched him up. And for being a guy who's 6'5", 255, 260 pounds, and coming from a team like Stanford, who's known as sort of a power-running football team, uh, and I think Stanford has gotten away from that a little bit. They're not quite the power offense that they were, but you know they still put a bunch of tight ends on the field, and they have fullbacks, and and, and they like to run the ball. But Caden Smith is not a great blocker. He's, he's not quite that Garrett Selleck player, which is why I think that might hold him back from just directly plugging into that role, which is why Levine Toilolo might be a necessary player for at least one more year while Caden Smith gets his feet wet in the NFL game. And it's just, it's hard for rookie tight ends as it is, because you're basically learning to be a wide receiver and an offensive lineman at the same time, you know. So that's that's a difficult position to transition into the NFL. And he's a younger player still. He was an early entry into the draft out of Stanford. So uh, I think he had a redshirt year and then played for two years at Stanford. And he, you know, he wasn't a hugely targeted player, but 47 receptions for 635 yards and a pair of touchdowns last year at Stanford for Caden Smith. And one thing I do love about Caden Smith is he has not only the requisite size you need, maybe he's not super fast, but he's really good in traffic. And he's got really good ball skills, got just natural hands and can pull down the ball in traffic. So not unlike Garrett Selleck with just, you know, solid, like, solid, dependable guy that if he's open, he'll catch the ball. Even if he's in tight quarters, he's big, he can box out a guy and pull the ball down. So I like that about Caden Smith I don't know about his long-term career I don't think he projects as a starting caliber NFL tight end but I think he could basically become what Garrett Selleck has been in his career the number two tight end guy uh, what Levine Toilolo might end up being for the 49ers if he sticks and Garrett Selleck does not and then eventually transition that into next year which would be Caden Smith's second year he could play that guy George Kittle obviously hopefully still being that big time uh, tight end for the 49ers two more tight ends to cover here and one a holdover from last year and the other an undrafted free agent that is somewhat interesting rost welly two targets last season caught both passes for 14 yards and uh, assuming that the 49ers aren't going to cut or try to sneak the sixth round rookie caden smith onto the practice squad or something like that if the 49ers keep three tight ends it's george kittle and it's Caden Smith probably who would end up being the number three tight end. And then it's then it's a battle for that number two spot from the three veterans. And Garrett Selleck, if he's healthy, it's going to be him. I, I got to imagine he's going to stick around for one more season. But there would be some, some cap savings if they moved on from Garrett Selleck. And he's got to be healthy, obviously. Then Levine Toilolo and Ross Dwelly. And uh, if Ross Dwelly does not make... The roster, there is some potential to put him back on the practice squad, but I think this is his time. You know, This this is the time he would have the opportunity to to make a run at, at sticking in the 49ers roster, and so I, I think that's the most likely competition is a three-way battle for the number two tight end role. Unless Caden Smith just jumps in there and is like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. I'm here. But Ross he would have to beat out either Levine Toilolo or a healthy Garrett Selleck, or both. To be that guy that makes the roster and breaks camp uh, as one of the 53 for the 49ers, I would say it's probably somewhat unlikely. After George Kittle, not a lot that wows you in the athleticism department, but Tyree Mayfield, the undrafted tight end slash H-back out of Wyoming, 6'3", 241 pounds is what he's listed as, at Wyoming's pro day, ran a 4.67. And it's kind of like that. You know, similar to George Kittle at Iowa, sort of underused uh, an old school power type of offense where he's used as a blocker a lot and didn't get a chance to shine as a pass catcher and Tyree Mayfield. It was the same situation for him at Wyoming over the course of four seasons. He only caught 39 passes last year. was his best output as a receiver and still only 21 receptions for 341 yards and two touchdowns. So, underused, and he's not He's not George Kittle in the athleticism department. You know, four six seven is a pretty good 40 time. He's a little bit tight, a little bit stiff. He's, he's a little bit more of a stocky build, and, you know, at 6'3", 241. So, you know, you could see him playing a little fullback. He played a lot of H-back and was lined up in the backfield and on the wing a lot at Wyoming, and he was a pretty good blocker. And I, I would say he was probably a better blocker than... Caden Smith, from what I saw, and he'll put his nose in there. I think I would like to see him have a little bit better leverage when he does make contact, but uh, as a ball carrier after the catch, he will put his shoulder into defenders and run over guys, and you know he can scoot a little bit in a straight line. Just doesn't give you a lot of wiggle, so I don't know how good of a route runner or separator he will ever be, but an interesting player nonetheless because he has some athleticism and because he gets after it As a blocker and because he has that build and that uh, athleticism to maybe move around a little bit, play some tight end, play in line, play maybe out in the slot a little bit, play in the backfield. And most of all, and probably the most important part for him to be able to make an NFL team potentially, probably not as a rookie, but maybe stash on the practice squad and then make some waves as, as potentially a number three tight end in 2020, and that's his value on special teams because he was a core special team player at Wyoming. So he has a lot going for him, and he can do a little bit of everything that you would need a tight end to do. So Tyree Mayfield out of Wyoming, undrafted player. He's a player to watch for in camp. Just kind of keep an eye on him in the fourth quarter of these preseason games. Maybe a player that you could stash on the practice squad and eventually have a little something in and in a worthwhile player. But I think I saw some people that got really excited about his 467 and his athleticism. It's not wow athleticism, but he's a nice little player and I think he does have the opportunity to potentially carve out a little bit of a NFL career for himself. So we'll see how he develops with the 49ers in training camp. All right, time for a quick break here and then we'll get to the end of my conversation with Chris Wilson. We talked a lot of wide nine and the defensive side of the ball last time. Uh, the end of this conversation Focused on Jimmy Garoppolo and the offense. This podcast is brought to you in part by Blue Chew and Hotels.com. Back with Chris Wilson, and I want to flip the script here and talk, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, we talked last time around this time of year, and there was a lot of optimism with Garoppolo for good reason. And if you go to Chris's Twitter profile and his pinned tweet at CGA Wilson. And he wrote an article here at LockedOn49ers.com that you can check out as well. Uh, Just search for Garoppolo when you go to the website and you'll find it. And it was amazing what Jimmy Garoppolo did in 2017 for those last five games. And everyone knows about, you know, the 5-0 and winning all those games, but just how much better he made the offense. And there's a graph that you put up which showed the 49ers and their scoring percentage with Garoppolo and without Garoppolo and their points per drive with Garoppolo and without Garoppolo was pretty amazing. And essentially they were the worst, they were among the worst four or five teams in the league in points per drive. And then they were by far the best team in the league points per drive. Once Garoppolo showed up and then with a uh, scoring percentage, they scored on about 29% of their drives, which was I think tied for seventh or eighth worst in the league. And then they were outlandishly out far ahead of even the new England Patriots in 2017 with scoring percentage, scoring on a ridiculous 62% of their drives. Only the Patriots were above 50% at 51. And so that's what, I mean, 62% of their drives the 49ers scored on once Garoppolo took over at quarterback in 2017 versus 29% of their drives before Jimmy Garoppolo was there. So there was reason for optimism last year. And then I think that a lot of why Garoppolo didn't look as amazing to start the season in 2018. And by the way, you and I were there at that Lions game along with Winkler. We've got photos to prove it. And, uh, and that was the Garoppolo's lone win in 2018 as a starting quarterback. And he looked okay in that game, but you know, he sputtered in those first three games. And I think part of it is just that learning curve with with, uh, with Kyle Shanahan's offense. How much do you put on him slowly learning the offense and how much better he should be just because of that and being in year two and his second offseason with Kyle Shanahan in 2019? Or, or or how did you see that? Where do you see Garoppolo right now developmentally and as a quarterback? As long as his knee is holding up, what do you expect from him in 2019?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely expect him uh, to progress from... Um, from, from year two. Um, I mean, it was definitely, uh, definitely unfortunate. I, I was unfortunately talked into, uh, attending the, uh, the third game of the season two when he, uh, <laughs> when he blew out his knee. So, so we can blame little, Chris Wilson at CGA Wilson, blame him after that game. Then, uh, game number two. Um, <laughs> it's like, Oh, I guess the season's <laughs> over. So, uh, uh yeah. CGA better was, time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so i definitely expecting him to, um, to, um, yeah, yeah, significant uh, progression. I mean, yeah, you know, like, like they said, you know, mental reps. Mental reps are good, but you know, there's nothing like reps on the field. And um, you know, it's you know, making mistakes is, is is important as well. And and he um, he definitely made some mistakes against the uh, against the Vikings and and uh, and and while he played, you know, he played what well, well uh, against uh, against uh, Detroit and uh, and Kansas City. I, I don't think that he. Um, that he turned the ball over uh, either of those two games. Um, but he did get sacked, I think, 10 times in, in those two matchups. And then, of, and of course, took the, uh, the 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 hit out of bounds to, to end, the, right. uh, I end think the season. That was the um, biggest
1: thing for me is seeing the ball not come out as quickly because that's what Garoppolo's calling card is. It's it's a pretty quick mental processor and the most insanely quick release that I've ever seen. Uh, I think he's got the, the quickest release in the NFL, even more so than, than Rodgers' in a lot of cases and he, he just gets the ball out so quick. So to see him sort of sit there, pat the ball, think about it. Th- that was to me, the indicator that, okay, he's, he's not quite there mentally because there's a lot on him in the playbook and he's, he's thinking and not just playing and reacting.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, when they, they toss him in there in, um, I mean, even in, in the first, in the first game, like, he he knew none of the plays because they, they ran like, like two or three plays that that one drive against the, uh, um, against uh, against the Seahawks. And it's like, you, you would figure that the Seahawks would figure it out. I mean, and, and just very, very basic concepts that, that he had run under, under Belichick and uh, Shanahan knew what those were and, and just kept running, um, um, you know, slant flats and, and, and just, you know, just very, very basic concepts where, where he, he has a key on a, uh, on, you know, usually one defender, maybe two defenders and he's getting the ball out of his hands, uh, as quickly as possible. Um, and that was good enough for a, uh, you know, a, a game winning drive there. And then, you know, five, five more, uh, uh, or, or, or a game scoring drive, which is against the Seahawks back then, which was, was, uh, a rarity. And then, and then, you know, five straight wins after that. And, um, and you can see that the Shanahan was definitely, uh, expanding the, uh, the playbook week after week. And, um, but you know, but, but um, but grapple seemed to handle it pretty well. And, uh, and um, you know they, they kept moving the ball down the field. Um, you know, like, like you, you said that before, with that, you know, with the scoring percentage, what was it? Uh, I think sixty two percent or something like that in yeah. the, in, uh, in two thousand seventeen. I, I mean, a lot of those were field goals. I mean, if those if those were touchdowns, I mean, their their you know their points per drive would have been off the charts. Um, so um, he I mean, he does have his issues in the red zone, but you know the yeah you know, the Niners uh, yeah you know have had those issues in the red zone. Um, uh, under Shanahan, unfortunately, and uh, maybe some of these uh, newer, uh, larger wide receivers and um, and uh, and tight end threats will will help him in that in that capacity. But um, you know, in the first three games of, um, of 2018, I mean, he definitely was hampered because it, you know he had he had, he sort of had Garcon. You know, at the very very end of his career, he had. Uh, you know, half of Trent Taylor, who was you know his go-to, or was every 4 ers quarterback's go-to guy on uh, you know on the slant on uh, on third down. Um, you know, Kil still hadn't um, really developed into into the player he uh, he became uh, over the rest of the season. Um, and then his um, uh, his number one wide receiver Goodwin was uh, was in and out of injury. So you know, see, so he's. The wide receivers he was throwing to were not the best wide receivers in the league. If they weren't the worst, uh, especially, um, you know, due to their injuries. So I don't entirely put it on him. I mean, there, there wasn't a lot of separation. I'm not trying to excuse him for his mistakes, but, um, I think in a um, different situation where he had all, all of the players at his disposal, you know, and also you know, he was practicing with McKinnon all, all uh, preseason until right. uh, you know, until the very very end. So you know, so, so you know, so you're, you're sort of starting from scratch. I wasn't expecting a win against uh, Minnesota. Um, you know, I did expect the win against Detroit, and then you know, you're playing against Kansas City, one of the best teams in, in the NFL, and then you know, he took too many sacks, but you know, but overall he, he did play well. I think through for something like over 250 and two touchdowns. I think it was just, just the yards for attempt was like almost 10 yards. So I mean, he was, he, he played fairly well uh, against the chiefs, but of course, you know, pretty much everyone, all quarterbacks play uh, well against the chiefs. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um. so, uh, you know, if you, if you take away that Minnesota game, which I you mean, know, obviously you can't do that. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he, he wasn't, he wasn't that bad. And, um, you know, it's for three games of the season. You know, like, you know, like, like they say, it takes a full season to learn Shanahan's offense. Uh, and I think you, you've uh, pointed out a few times that, um, like, he's nowhere near a full season, and uh, he only wishes he has the experience that uh, the, the Bethard and <laughs> and the Nairsville like, uh, Mullins uh, um, uh, combined have. So, I mean, it's going to take time for him to um, learn Shanahan's system, and he shouldn't be asked to learn it all at once. So um, if he can get Taylor back as his go to third down guy, if he can get Goodwin back, maybe, you know, maybe not in the in the same capacity as, you know, a borderline number one like he was in uh, 2017. But um, you know, both those guys come back and they're healthy. It's just like uh, almost every team, every season. If we're healthy, you know, like they're I think the Niners are going to be pretty good this year. If they're not healthy, they're going to lose a lot of games. So it's uh, you know, So some of the past seasons, they've they haven't been, stayed healthy and they've lost a lot of games. Football outsiders, uh, one of the best indicators of uh, of, of record is uh, is you know, games lost by your starters. So um, stay healthy, and I think uh, you know firing or, or releasing their uh, strength and conditioning coach and bringing in a new squad there. I think um, they, they they had to do something. I, mean, I don't know how yeah. much effect that has on it, right? Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's staying healthy. Um, I, I think Shannon was smart to bring in way too many wide receivers and way too many running backs. Um,
1: yeah. Why not? There's no, there's there's no problem. I have no problem with that too. Yeah. Create some depth and you can yeah. actually cover some of those injuries if they do happen. And that'll be a huge factor for the 49ers in 2019. Chris, we're out of time here. I appreciate you coming on the show once again, and everybody's got to go check out his article on the wide nine. There's more parts of that to come at lockedon49ers.com. You can find him on Twitter at CGA Wilson. Chris, thank you so much. And uh, let's talk again soon.
0: Yeah, it's always a pleasure, and uh, yeah, those will be coming out here hopefully in the uh, next few hours, and they are keep coming until I until, yeah, explain it uh, sufficiently. Yeah. So hopefully <laughs> you hopefully, run out uh, of things to that. say. A good, good grasp of it, and then uh, and then we'll see if they even use it in, uh, once the season starts, but at least we'll know what it is if we face another team that plays it. So. Beautiful. Thanks again to Chris for
1: joining the show. Thanks, to everybody, for listening. Be back next week right here on Locked on 49ers.